Welcome to Books at Work, the best and most useful bits of business books. The, the six causes are overwork, insufficient reward, isolation and absence of fairness, a values conflict or mismatch of uh, values between the organisation and the individual, and the final one is a lack of control. I'm Anna Hughes and that's Susie McAlpine. She's author of Beyond Burnout, our book in this 11th episode of Books at Work. A big thank you to our Books at Work community for recommending Beyond Burnout. Burnout's a topic that has been talked about a lot, both openly and quietly in our workplaces right now. So I'm really looking forward to sharing Susie's book and insights with each of us. So let's get on with our speed read of Beyond Burnout right now. We're going to focus on three things in our speed read. The first one is, what exactly is burnout? Second, some myths around it and the costs of it. Then we'll have a chat to Susie about what causes burnout and how to address it. There's a lot in this book. And remember to go into the drawer for a copy of your own book, subscribe to Books at Work, or please give me some feedback. What exactly is burnout? It's a state of emotional, physical and mental exhaustion. The World Health Organization has gone so far as defining burnout as an occupational phenomenon, and it hopes to increase awareness and change the way we view burnout in the workplace. The WHO says burnout is characterized by three things. One, feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. Two, increased mental distance from your job or feelings of negativism or cynicism about your job. And three, reduced professional efficacy. Burnout is specific to the work context. So let's start with what burnout isn't. It's not everyday stress or feeling tired after one of those periods of intense activity or a stressful situation. It's not something that we rebound from after a weekend off or taking a break. It's not caused by things outside of work. It's not depression. It's not something that happens overnight, and it's not days when you feel exhausted or depleted. Burnout is more like prolonged high-level workplace stress, chronic exhaustion, and it's a gradual process. You feel exhausted, depleted, and unmotivated all or most of the time. I think the way that Susie and Beyond Burnout defines what is burnout and what isn't is really useful as we look into what causes burnout and how we might solve it. So let's look at some of the myths of burnout that are outlined in the book. Myth number one, burnout is all about the person, not the workplace. Susie says we put too much on the individual to prevent, treat and recover from burnout in the workplace. She says a person is part of an ecosystem and that's what is usually at the root cause of burnout. Susie will talk about the sick fish shortly when we chat to her. We can do things to remain resilient and productive at work ourselves but we need to look for and at the systemic issues causing burnout. These root causes almost always lie in organisational leadership, culture and systems. Myth number two, people who suffer from burnout are mentally weak, they can't handle stress, or they are poor performers. Anyone can suffer from burnout, and often high performers do. Myth number three, take a few days off and you'll be right, mate. 
One of the common markers that someone is suffering from burnout is that they take a break and they return to work just as exhausted. Myth number four, burnout is caused by stress or working long hours. That seems pretty sensible on the face of it. But according to the book, stress in itself doesn't cause burnout. Positive stress can actually foster high performance and build motivation. So before we start chatting to Susie, I just wanted to focus on what does burnout cost us and organisations? She says that the impact on professional and personal lives, health and well-being and careers is pretty well documented. But burnout also wreaks havoc on organisational performance. It results in lost productivity, absenteeism, poor engagement, high turnover, an increased risk of diabetes, heart disease and high cholesterol. And according to Susie's research, 120,000 people each year die as a result of burnout. It's a bit of a bleak picture, so let's chat to Susie about what causes burnout and how we can sort it out. Welcome, Susie. Hi, Anna. It's uh, great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your uh, Books That Work podcast. Well, I'm very delighted and privileged to have you here. Our first question is always to set the scene. Where in the world are you and what's the view out your window? So I live in Nelson and that's where I am uh, this afternoon. And I'm looking... Uh, out the window at the centre of New Zealand, which is beautiful. It's, uh, I'm surrounded by beautiful trees uh, and I can just see a fantail right outside my window, which is a lovely thing to see on a Friday afternoon. Uh, and the sun is shining. The sun's always shining in Nelson. Uh, even if it's not, I'm never going to admit to that. Uh, so, yeah, life is good. It's a pretty good place to live. Yeah, and sounds like a pretty good antidote to burnout. <laughs> um, now this book was recommended to me by a couple of people and I'm I'm so pleased that they have because I've loved reading it and one of the reasons is that lots of people particularly in Wellington are talking about burnout interested to hear your view about how widespread burnout is and what your experiences of the prevalence of burnout mm. well when I first started writing the book four years ago, I had started to see uh, an increase in burnout. You know, as an executive coach, uh, I get a front row seat to a lot of burnt out uh, senior leaders. But I had started to see uh, increased high levels of stress uh, happen. And also in the research across the world, there was uh, a concerning trend upwards of burnout. And that was even before COVID. Uh, obviously, since COVID has hit, it has really exacerbated a lot of the root causes of burnout. Uh, but it's a lot more prevalent than most people think. Uh, in fact, a Gallup study of over seven and a half thousand uh, full-time employees uh, found that 76% of employees were experiencing burnout on the job. And of that, 28% was always or very often. And closer to home, um, in the book, I uh, used the uh, a lot of the research that came out from the COGO Workplace Wellbeing Survey, which was done across Australia and New Zealand. And there were some pretty alarming statistics there too. Uh, so it's more prevalent than we think, and it's on the rise, unfortunately. 
So what we try to do with Books at Work is focus on the really practical, useful things from the book. So I am going to dive into some of those those things and really keen to understand what you mean in the book when you talk about the perfect burnout storm. What is that? Yeah, so there are there are six causes of burnout. Uh, the obvious one is overwork, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. Uh, but you may be surprised that there are five others. And when we talk about uh, the perfect burnout storm, it's when more than one of those causes is at play. They're kind of intertwined. And so if uh, people are experiencing four or five or even six of those causes, uh, then you've got a perfect burnout storm. It increases the chances of that person experiencing burnout. However, any one of those causes, if they are about in the right levels or the wrong levels, as you would say, uh, you're more at risk of experiencing burnout. So if we dig into those a little bit more and overwork is the, the obvious one, are you able to explain what that is and um, what it looks like? Sure. So overwork happens when you are asked to do a job without the adequate resources to do that job. Uh, often it will lead to long hours and there is a huge link between increased, uh, you know, too many long hours at work and an increase of, of burnout. But when you think about what can cause overwork, uh, it can be a culture of overwork. So if your organisation and industry wears, uh, you know, long hours and overwork as part of the culture, uh, it can be a lack of prioritisation, particularly at an organisational and leadership level. Uh, it can be lack of clarity uh, or unpredictable workflows or even unreasonable expectations. So overwork is, it often leads to longer hours just to get the job done. Uh, and there's some interesting statistics around productivity. Uh, anything over 55 hours a week and your productivity actually tanks. So if you're working 60 or 70 hours, the actual output of that extra 15 hours or so is actually almost wasted. Um, so that's the first cause is, is overwork. It's really being asked to do the job without the adequate resources to be able to do that job successfully. I think that description of the the culture, the lack of prioritisation, the lack of clarity as part of overwork, I think that's a really interesting rounded out description of overwork. And um, yeah, I imagine lots of people will be able to relate, relate to that wider definition. So hopefully that will be helpful, step one. <laughs> um, so wondering if we can go through the others. And uh, one of them is lack of control. And I was interested that you said that was one of the worst human feelings that people can, can have. Um, what's an example of that? And why does that contribute to burnout? Yeah, I was really curious when I uh, saw this in the research as one of, of the biggest causes of burnout. We like to sort of feel in control. Uh, I think that, you know, we, we, we would prefer that to feeling out of control. I know I do. And in a work setting, uh, 
it's really around um, control on how we do our work. So it's really important for leaders and organisations to look at not only, um, you know, here is the work, the, the what, but also the how and the why of the work. So it, people um, reduce their chances of burnout if they have some control or input into how they do their work. Uh, I think that's a leadership tip. So some of the causes of that lack of control might be uh, a lack of control over our schedules and time management. Uh, as I mentioned, a say in how we actually carry out our work. Even things like not being able to work from our strengths. There's some interesting research around if we're able to actually work from our strengths some or more of the time, that actually acts as a buffer against burnout. Um, constantly changing priorities. Uh, I know we've also all worked in organisations and workplaces where, you know, there's shifting sands in terms of priorities. A and the other one that can cause a lack of control is really no input into those really important decisions that affect us. So all of those sorts of things can really add to a lack of control. So we're going to go through each of the other things and it's, it becomes quite a big picture at the end of it, um, but let's go. A little keep going. bit overwhelming, <laughs> <laughs> but there are things we can do. So That's right. Yeah. So let, let's go through um, through them and then we'll, we'll get on to what we can do about it. So the next one that I was interested in is um, isolation at work. And mm. what, what, what do we mean by that? So unfortunately, isolation at work is on the rise globally. People are feeling more isolated than ever. And there's a whole lot of reasons which I go into the book about that. Um, but some of the causes of that may be microaggressions due to, for example, race and gender. Uh, excessive workplace politics or bullying uh, can also cause people to feel isolated. Uh, unmanaged conflict, so conflict that is uh, interpersonal conflict that's less left to, to fester. But even just creating, um, having a lack of psychological safety or trust. So one of the things that I often talk about with leaders is that your first priority as a leader is to build uh, a sense of trust with you and your team uh, and a sense of psychological safety, uh, because these can really act as buffers for burnout. Um, and I guess a segue into that is the, another one, which is values conflict. I, yeah, just keen to understand why you think that causes burnout and what the research is around that? So this is one where uh, it, it happens over time. So a values conflict refers to an individual's personal values being at odds with the organisational values. And often that, that may not present itself at first, but over time it creates an extra cognitive and emotional mental load. You can imagine if I'm constantly having to work at odds with my own personal values, um, that can really wear us down and has been shown to, uh, to increase uh, burnout. And this is one where I think leaders uh, can be really clear um, one of the levers they can they can really pull is is around recruitment. You know, so when you are recruiting and selecting people, um, paying attention to people's values and the values of of the organisation. Uh, so that's the, the that one. The final cause um, of uh, I suppose the sixth cause of burnout is an absence of fairness. And I talk about the five P's. This comes down to a, a lack of fairness in things like pay, perks, prestige, promotion, 
And when I say participation, it can be even whose voice is heard in a, in a meeting, you know, if you never feel like your voice is heard. So it's an absence of fairness. A lot of people think, oh, it's about, um, uh, you know, I'm not getting paid enough, um, but that, but that it's really around, am I being paid fairly in comparison to others who are doing the same job? Um, and sorry, I did miss the, the last one uh, is insufficient reward. So this really often people will think this is about I'm not getting paid enough for the amount of work that I am putting in to do this job. But it can be, uh, you know, more, um, you know, less concrete things like am I valued? Do I feel valued in the work that I'm um, that I'm doing? It can be as simple as does my boss um, give me valuing feedback? You know, do they say great job, you know, when you did that X project, uh, it really had this positive impact and thank you very much. So it can be something as simple as saying thank you um, that can that can happen. So the, the six causes are overwork, insufficient reward, isolation and absence of fairness, a values conflict or mismatch of uh, values between the organization and the individual. And the final one is a lack of control. Those are the six causes. And when we started out, you talked about the perfect storm. So do you have to have all of those things to cause burnout? No, you don't. Uh, if you had one or two of those, particularly if at high levels, then that in itself uh, can cause burnout. Obviously, if you've got all of those present in high amounts, then uh, it's going to be pretty difficult not to get onto that burnout on ramp over time. One of the things about burnout is that it's a slow burn. You don't wake up one morning feeling engaged and on fire and the next morning um, you're not. It's a bit like a candle burning down. And so recognizing the symptoms are one of the most important things. So how slow is a slow burn? How long does it take? Uh, I think that depends on uh, the, the, the individual situation. I mean, burnout is a state of emotional, physical and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress related to your professional life. So um, it's when that stress becomes extreme and baked in. Um, but if you have a, you know, you can have a week from hell or you can have periods of time at work which with a high stress, but then it abates. It's when it's sort of chronic, unremitting, unrelenting, it's sort of baked into, into your workplace. There's no end in sight. That's when you have to start to be a little bit more wary of burnout taking hold. Okay, so I'm a leader or uh, I'm, a co I'm a colleague of someone or, you know, it might even be me. How do, what are the signs of burnout? How do you spot it? You talk about some red flags in the book. How, you know, how, how do you spot burnout? Um, there are three um, there are three red flags or symptoms of burnout, and they've been coined by um, Christina Maslach and uh, Michael Leiter, who are, in my opinion, the world's experts on burnout. The first one is chronic exhaustion. So this is when you don't have your bounce back factor. Your batteries won't recharge. It's at the extreme level of uh, exhaustion. In fact, one of the ways that uh, one of the symptoms can be that you go on holiday, you take a break, and you come back just as exhausted. 
The second, and this one was really interesting, um, in, uh, an increased level of cynicism and or depersonalization. In the book, in, in the first chapter, I talk about my Nicholas no-hug moment, which is when I didn't have that emotional capacity to even hug one of the most important people in my life. So you may see a rising level of cynicism, which is, it, it's a bit like, what's the point increased level of frustration, things that didn't used to bother you really get under your skin, um, a, lock, a, you know, a loss of en enjoyment and a sort of a detachment, which you can imagine has huge impact for human services, uh, things like health sector. The third red flag is a reduced sense of professional efficacy. So this is kind of helpless, hopeless, nothing I'm doing is making a difference. It's almost like when, I, when you feel like I'm working as hard as I can, I'm digging deeper, and yet I just can't seem to get to do the job that I used to. Uh, I can't get through. One person I interviewed for the book had a wonderful metaphor. Um, she said it's a bit like running a marathon in molasses. And I think that really sum sums up that sense of reduced professional efficacy. So as a leader, what would I see? What, ha, ha, I, can, I can understand that from my personal perspective, but how do, what does that, those three things look like as a leader? Well, in the book, uh, I've actually got uh, uh, some resources and questions to ask um, yourself and uh, particularly if you're starting to see um, or wonder if you're starting to see these three signs in someone that you lead. And actually, there's a chapter in the book, you know, okay, I think I may be um, leading someone who's suffering from burnout, what should I do? Um, I think you need to hold lightly your assumptions. It may be burnout, but it may be stress caused by other things. But certainly if you are seeing really, you know, you're starting to really see those three things, um, that would be your chance to perk up and lean in a little bit more uh, and take a closer look. So we, so we see burnout in our workplace. How do we stamp it out? What can we do? Well, one of the things that I think uh, is probably my soapbox moment and angle in the book is that we are putting far too much onus on the individual to spot it, stop it, stamp it out. And this is a bit like treating the sick fish uh, when it's the water that's contaminated. When you look at the causes of burnout, it really does um, mean that leaders and organizations uh, need to step up because when you look at the causes, they're, they're organizational, they are cultural, they are systemic, they're environmental and they're leadership related. And so leaders and organizations can take probably the biggest lever and effect on these. I came up with, um, after a glass of wine or two one night, um, four eyes, I call them, the, the strategies. Recognize, destigmatize, socialize, and organize. And all of these strategies can be uh, implemented at an organizational level, at a leadership level, and at an individual level. So the first thing is to start to recognize um, those three red flags of, uh, of burnout, the, the chronic exhaustion, the cynicism uh, or depersonalization and the reduced professional efficacy. Uh, you know, at an organizational level, it may uh, be on, on one extreme doing the, uh, the Maslach burnout inventory across your whole organization. I would certainly recommend that for high risk industries such as legal uh, health, uh, teaching professions. 
Um, but I think we need to start to look um, if leaders can start to be become more aware of those three uh, red flags, we're on to a good start. But it's not enough just to rec recognise it. Uh, burnout, like a lot of mental distress in the workplace, is shrouded by stigma. People are too afraid to put their hand up and say that they are struggling or that they are feeling overwhelmed because they're too afraid to think that that will be a career limiting move. And in some cases, it is. And this is where leaders in particular need to take charge and take the lead on this. So make, um, you know, make it safe for people to have more conversations around mental well-being. It can be, um, you know, certainly senior leaders having the courage to be vulnerable and share some of their own stories around, uh, certainly if they've experienced burnout or chronic stress or any mental um, uh, distress is really powerful. I mean, you look at someone like Craig Hudson, the chief executive of, of Zero, when he came out and spoke about depression, uh, his own depression. So, you know, really um, create that psychological safety, watch your mental models uh, around, you know, and language around things like, you know, she's a soft, she's, you know, she's a lightweight. Um, the third strategy is socialize. So as leaders and an organization and individuals, what can we do to build more purposeful social connection in our workplaces? This can be as simple as uh, leaders ensuring that they are having monthly one-on-ones with their individual direct reports. And in those monthly one-on-ones, not just task-focused conversations, you know, there are lots of what are we doing conversations in our organization, and that's really important to have task-focused, but we also need to have how are we going conversations. Leadership practices just uh, such as, you know, simple act of listening, uh, asking somebody on, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your wellness? And then listening intently with your full um, presence can be really powerful, you know, upping your coaching skills. Um, you know, these, you know, creating psychological trust. Uh, these are the things that um, the socialize uh, strategy enables. And the final strategy is organize. So this can once again be applied in an organizational level. Um, as well as at a team level. So look at the degree to which people are having a say in the way that their work is carried out. Two really simple, uh, what I would call common sense uh, skills, such as prioritization and delegation. Uh, and this is once again, that needs to start at the top, at the top table, you know, as an organization, what are our, you know, what are our three to five strategic pillars? And if it doesn't fall into that, don't do it. You know, I was talking to an, a, 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 um, an executive team the other day who said, here are our 10 priorities. And I challenged them and said, that makes an oxymoron of the world of the word. Um, you know, really ensuring that your leaders have good skills and are practicing really clear delegation. You know, it's a simple leadership practice, but so often it's not done well. Um, and, and really what I call remove the pebbles in people's shoes, the sort of red tape and bureaucracy that is littered in our organizations, these sorts of things under the organized strategy can really make a difference. What doesn't work is just playing lip service. You know, uh, you can give 
mindfulness courses, resilience courses, yoga courses galore. Uh, but if you just do that, they're, they're what I call the icing on the cake. If you're not really looking at the root causes of burnout, um, you know, burnout's not going to be fixed by a fruit bowl in the lunchroom. You know, you've really got to look at those leadership practices and organizational practices that I've talked about. I know that you're booked up for the rest of the year. So thank you very, very much for taking the time to talk to us. And I, I, it's been a really lovely conversation. So thank you. Oh, Anna, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, having me on uh, Books That Work podcast. It's, um, it's been fabulous. Thank you. That's our Books at Work Beyond Burnout episode done and dusted. The Take 5 with a summary of all those wonderful things from Susie is available on booksatwork.co.nz. I'm Anna Hughes and that's Books at Work, making work better.